As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you mad? Hi, Jake. How you doing? Hi, Louisa. Uh, very spooky this week. Happy spooky season. I know. Dude, not to put you on the spot, but you're going to come to my Halloween party? <laughs> uh, I'm like, I meant to ask you this privately, but then I just remembered because you reminded me. So what's up, dude? Are you RSVPing right now in front of me? <laughs> I, I, hell no. I can't do, commit to, like on the spot like that. Oh I think God. I'm coming. <laughs> I just have a really wild weekend. It's Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm off Sunday, so I'm going to try to do that. Yes. Yeah, man, I'm old. I'm making it chill as fuck. You know, it's like uh, I'm not trying to take up anybody's Friday or Saturday. And uh, if you've got kids or like real responsibilities on a Monday, definitely you don't have to come. <laughs> You're pretty much not invited, I guess. <laughs> but those of you that I think don't have responsibilities on Monday, I'm going to be pretty upset if you don't come. Jake. I mean, I have to work <laughs> on Monday. I'm a Like at what cow- time, motherfucker? 3 p.m.? Yeah, but I work for like 12 hours at a time. So, like, <sighs> you know. Yeah, uh, but my my little get-together is going to be like 5 to 10 because I don't really like late-night things at my house. Yeah, I'm going to say definitely maybe. What a motherfucker. Um, please uh, comment. Uh, send us emails. Agree with me that Jake is a bad friend. No, I'm just I kidding. I am a Halloween <laughs> gremlin, and I have, like... Halloween is the most stressful time of year in a specific way for me where I feel like I need to get so much out of it that I plan hella shit. Too much? And then too it's much? Like, you overschedule yourself? You know when you're on like vacation and yeah. you're like, we're going to see the thing and then we're going to go. And you come yeah. back tired. Yeah. <laughs> or you don't do all of it because oh. you're like, that was impossible to do. Yeah, yeah. I just planned all this shit because I felt like I needed to get all this value out of this experience. Yeah. Okay. Well, hear me out. So I've never thrown a Halloween party. Um, and the thing is, uh, I think because we're the same kind of people who are like, no, man, this is my vibe the whole year round. It seems kind of weird that you all want to dress slutty <laughs> or whatever and pretend it's scary. <laughs> or I don't know. But I thought about it this year and I was like, man, for the last few years, I've been trying to like show up for the people that I love at their stupid holidays, you know? So I've been putting in all this effort for like Christmas and Thanksgiving and the fucking shit that fucking trads give a shit about. And I was just like, fuck it. Why shouldn't I put that much effort towards the thing that would make me happy to make my whole backyard into like go shit, (laughs) you know, and have like footloaf. Somebody's going to bring a footloaf. (laughs) I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is great. We're going to play scary movies, you know. I don't know. So it's extremely corny and I really don't mean it when I say when I pretend that I'm going to be mad at people. Mm -hmm. But it is my first year of like ever being like you know what, this is the closest thing to a trad holiday that I have That mm-hmm. that's on the calendar for everyone, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to try to have a really good time in a hostess kind of way, but I'm already super stressed out about the fact that people don't RSVP. What the fuck is that? And number two, the potential for my home to be dirty and defiled. <laughs> Jake, I know this is not probably a thing you identify with, but I've taken so much good care of my home. I don't know, but but I'm still looking forward to having all my crazy friends here. I don't know. Tell me, you've had great parties at your place. 
Do you not worry that people are going to defile your home? Yeah, no, my home is uh, <laughs> permanently defiled by <laughs> like clean it and stuff, and I, it's a constant like uh, uphill battle to try to keep it from getting even worse all the time. <laughs> I'm not gross. Like I don't have a gross apartment. You know, some people like there's like gross stuff out like food and oh, like yeah, trash no, no. and stuff I, my apartment is not like that I don't you don't have like about flies it. or anything yeah well there is a couple of flies but oh, they're from shit. like <laughs> the building like they're everywhere in the building it's like a yeah. building thing it's not like oh because we have like all our dishes out or whatever I just my I want to put just specifically put that out there because I don't like people's gross apartments I joke a lot about my place being really fucked up but it's just cluttered. It's just like a fucking weird warehouse. It's just full of like stuff, and uh, I do actually kind of obsess over keeping it from getting real fucked up. Although I think because I work in bars and stuff, and I'm like, you know, I every night is a party, and then you clean it up. Like it's not the worst thing in the world to me to throw a party. Um, I want to go back to something you said though mm-hmm. uh, about how every day is Halloween. So I think. I know what you mean. Some people, every day is Halloween for them, so they don't experience the... Um, the, the holiday feeling of well, it, right? The ho- so the Halloween for some people is like... David Graeber talked about this a lot in uh, Dawn of Everything. He talked about holidays that are called like Carnival-esque holidays where like social where norms get yourself, reversed. Yeah. Well, like as social rituals in a lot of societies, they would be like, oh, you know, on this one holiday, everyone gets to be mean to the mayor or whatever, or like the <laughs> king, or yeah. there's like laws that get inversed, or like um, in like plantations and shit when they had slaves, they'd have a day where it's like, oh, you get to have a carnival, and then, you know, I'll be the employee or whatever. So I mean, it would just be like, you get to throw a pie at a picture of a white guy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But, but like the function of that the purge-esque yeah. function of that for a lot of people is this catharsis and like the theory i guess is from him as an anthropologist is like that uh is this thing that societies do in order to like release the steam valve and keep order the rest of the year is to like let people do that right so i think a lot of people do that with their social like repressions and like trad shit where they have Halloween as this night to go be themselves or like, um, or not be themselves, but be parts of themselves that they're usually restrained, right? I don't have that. I am a person who's like, no, I do that every day of the year, yeah. but I still extra like Halloween because I'm like, everyone's doing it. It's so now. fun. They join me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. What it feels like. yeah. So that's why, that's why I get all hyped up about it, but it's like extra, it's, it's extra stress. Cause I'm like, this is the only time of the year that everyone is also in. Where you're like, I get to be me. You ever seen those movies and whatever TV shows and stuff where it's like a, a person, not, I guess, I mean, I don't know. We should call them persons but I guess like a monster <laughs> that cannot pass in daily life uh-huh. gets to go out in public world <laughs> on Halloween because it looks like they have a mask or they have a great costume. And this is like a, a prevalent um, premise, I guess, in, in uh, Western media, right? That like Halloween is a night where the freaks get to go out and feel normal because everyone else is letting out their freaky side. Exactly. I am Michael Myers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was getting right at. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so part of me, it just feels like, um, why shouldn't I be like a trad community mom about it and be like, oh, 
oh, let's have cookies and invite all the people that don't can't go home for Halloween. <laughs> You know, like I'm not gonna make a yeah, like Halloween. Go home for Halloween. Yeah. yeah, you get like it. We all do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, I guess all this to say that, in in a way, we're gonna do a sort of trad episode because we're gonna be spooky the week of Halloween, Jake. This is us <laughs> being trad uh, and serving up the fucking spooky content right on Spooky Week for the trads, but. You, so the news, the big news is you finally watched Creep 1 and Creep 2, right? Well, listener, keen listeners of the show will have noted that we've Weeks been talking ago. about this. <laughs> like forever. No, I watched it like six months ago. Oh, shit. And like, I watched it right before we took our break, like right before we stopped. And then for a minute, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, wait a minute. Why did I watch all this shit? So for a minute, we were like, I don't know. We're going to keep doing the show or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> but at that point, I had all it had already been such a thing that got pushed back like 10 times. It's been like a year or two of creep one and creep two at this point. I, yeah, it's been yeah, going on for a while. So, this is like, uh, I thought it would be good fanfare for yeah. the show because it's an in joke of ours that this is like one of the yeah, we just kept putting it off. Yeah, we're gonna happen. Well, it's finally fucking happening, considering, consider it like a ghost episode. Um, so here's the key question. Okay. Do you agree that creep two is better and more important than creep one, but creep one isn't necessary or well, did you like creep one more? Uh, I, th- I don't think you could make creep two without having creep one. Absolutely. So, sure. That's it's necessary, but, um, I think I liked creep two, uh, more, if the first one would have stood on its own, but I really liked what they did with the second one. I feel like the second one, I don't know that I can think of another friend. Maybe Terminator 2 is a franchise where I would say this, where the second movie made the first one better. Because in retrospect, it makes like the universe more interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, uh, for anybody who hasn't fucking seen it, this is going to be full of spoilers because we literally have been saying we're going to talk about it for six months, so you should have watched it already. But in Creep 1, what happens is Mark Duplis plays this, like, dude, right, who um, he puts out a, let's call it a Craigslist-type ad, where he says he needs a videographer to come and record him because he's dying. So he wants to do like a video for his wife. And like, I think his wife is pregnant. Like he, you know, he says all this thing of like how he wants to leave for his family, Uh, a beautiful video of who he is and whatever the fuck. So the guy who's like an artistic videographer, you know, dude, right. Who's like pursuing his life through his skill set is like, okay, I'm going to go up to the woods and meet up with this guy. And I don't know. I don't even know if I should just go into it, but like, I guess they just, he ends up going up there to meet a guy who's basically a serial killer, but you don't really realize this. I mean, it's creepy the whole time. That's why it's called creep, but it's the kind of movie that's extremely slow. And then at the end, you see this one scene where he comes up with a rabbit mask or maybe the wolf mask, I think. And he, yeah and he like hits this dude with an axe behind like from the back of the head 
on a bench in a park and it's like a beautiful <laughs> beautifully shot scene <laughs> but it's like super fucked up and like that's the end of the movie and so the thing is, why I say Creep 2 is better is because or Creep 2 is better and made 1 better is because Creep 1 um, sort of did this thing where it was like using the real found footage thing to make you unsure of who you're supposed to be suspicious of right like are you suspicious of the guy that put up the Craigslist thing and wants the attention of having a video made about him? Or are we supposed to be suspicious of the guy who is like an artist up for sale and selling his time and willing to go to a fucking creepy ass cabin (laughs) and do whatever for money to sell his skill, you know? Right. And it's not, it's honestly not clear throughout all of Creep 1, right? Until the end when it kind of comes together that he's a murderer who invites people regularly up to his cabin to murder them, right? Yeah. And then in Creep 2 is where this became a Why You Mad movie to me, or a franchise, which is that Creep 2 is where we get into, like, truly not just the videographer as the artist, but also the serial killer begins to think of himself as an artist, right? So in Creep 2, the same serial killer is basically going through a midlife crisis where it starts off where he's like, he kills somebody, but he doesn't get any of the satisfaction. Like, he didn't feel good to kill, which is exactly, like, literally the exact same phrase that a comedian would use in this midlife crisis. It didn't feel good to kill, (laughs) you know? And so he, like, kind of freaks out, and he's like, holy shit, I don't know, like, what's happening? So he puts out one of his little Craigslist things, and he doesn't pretend that it's about, like, um, being, like, a father and all this made-up shit that he did in the first one. I, I believe that in the second one, he's he says that he's, like, a serial killer, and he wants somebody to make a movie about him. And this girl, who we learn has, like, a YouTube channel. And so she, we already know, is, like, a, a person, like, in our world, right, who make, creates content, is trying to find her voice and show her skill set and get followers for it. And so she sees this opportunity to make money. And I believe that her YouTube show is, uh, man, Jake, do you remember what it's called? Because it's... No. <laughs> no, right? It's, it's like something where she interviews regular people and she goes into like really uncomfortable situations and basically yes ands them and just gets like a whole like hour of what this person's life is like kind of shit. Mm-hmm. So she decides to go take this fucking person's ad and be like, yeah, I'll do a movie about you and you say you're a serial killer, like I'll record you. And so for half of this movie, she comes up to the creepy place, but he is honestly telling her that he's a murderer and she's like, oh, you're crazy and you just want attention. And I'm here because I just want like the followers and the hits and whatever. So like even do you remember the naked thing? Like at one point, I think he suggests to her that we have to be completely vulnerable in this if we're both being honest, because remember, this is him for the first time being honest on film that he is a serial killer, right? Right. So then he turns to her and he's like, well, if I'm going to like basically strip myself for you, you have to like strip yourself for me. And she's like, well, this seems like a creepy trap. But you know what? 
I've never stood back, like, stood down from a challenge. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, this is Jake. This is every comedian I've ever known who's like, yeah, I gotta take 16 buses and go into a town that I've never heard of and I have no way of getting back and I'll, well, I'll be minus $27 at the end of it. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> well, you know what that reminded me of, like, yeah. almost literally? Was, yeah. Uh, the naked comedy shows. That totally. Were, like, every time I watch that shit, I'm like, someone who understands how desperate artists are is like laughing all the way to the bank yeah. with this fucking footage of all these people nude because they just know that comics won't turn shit down and they can you sell it like i feel like these bookers sell it to comedians by dressing it up exactly how they know they want to hear where they're like no it's artistic mm-hmm. it's like um you know like a challenge yeah <laughs> someone is literally just doing a casting couch trick yeah. on you and going like fucking stand naked and I'm going to film it and you're doing stand up or whatever okay I but do you see like, but do you see what? how like the counter oh sorry go go what well I was say? just going to say like watching her mind in that yeah. moment get naked I'm like it literally feels the same as watching a comic <laughs> where I'm like why are you doing this you don't have to do this you don't have to do this think you have to do this. <laughs> absolutely dude absolutely but you see like uh, so why I thought this was awesome is because the the counterpoint of the serial killer is uh it's such an incisive critique of the comedian in that space in that spot where they would feel like they have to do the naked show because here's a serial killer and they're doing he's doing his version of being on the naked show which is on film telling you the last person that i killed what it felt like to kill someone why i kill and he's like revealing himself completely But she thinks this is all an act because in her world, people do fake things to get attention and to get likes and to get followers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's this really fucking interesting interaction between two people where they are just coming from two totally different worlds, but are absolutely stripping themselves naked in front of each other. And then it is for this sort of artistic pursuit of like reaching the most authentic versions of themselves right but then what does that say about the artist (laughs) if we can like equate you with a serial killer pursuing their obsession right yeah i don't know what did what did what did you think when you watched Uh, this six months ago (laughs) <laughs> this is kind of a loose connection. I think there might be something overlapping yeah. here, but I've been thinking a little bit about this like kind of interesting paradox within the entertainment industry, people specifically, uh, or at least it hyper applies to comedians, which makes it a why you mad topic, you know, but it's kind of universal where yeah. like, um, especially in the left, you know, media world, podcasts and Twitter and shit like that. Uh, people accuse each other of grifting all the time. Yeah. And I think that the reason that it happens a lot for certain types of people is that um, if you yourself only conceive of the... Like, if, if your toolkit is only... Uh, or your plan is only to get ahead and advance your career psychologically how you rationalize like your guilt over knowing that you're being like a little Machiavellian and a little bit like self-interested is you tell yourself a story which is that 
Um, it's normal to do that, and that everyone does that, and uh, everyone is is out to get ahead. So that turns into this situation where because you now rationalized it and said like I'm not being um, amoral, everyone is amoral, which right. is a common sentiment you hear. You so then when you call someone out and go they're a grifter, it's like well this is a result of your own conception of yourself as a grifter. We're you all actually doing this, yeah. S- I guess what I'm getting at is sometimes people accuse me of that and I'm like you I'm the real deal I don't make a lot of money like I do things that I want to do um or at least I intend to these are my intentions but like you that's reading to you as something else because you're seeing your own tools and shit and plans in it and that's why when sometimes people are like Oh, this guy started a socialist podcast during Bernie and all that stuff. Oh, what a huge grifter. Like, you can only see it that way if... You were already approaching the world that way. Yeah, like, that's that's your language you speak, right? And so, um, with, like, these two artists confronting each other... That's what they're doing to each other, right? Yeah, like, there's this... Like, they're making all these assumptions about each other based on their own thing and it's leading it's heightening comedically to this extent where you're like you idiot youtuber you are hanging out with a serial killer and you're also Mm kind of looking at the serial killer and going you're You're revealing yourself to an idiot youtuber (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) seems bad don't do that (laughs) yeah no totally uh did you also so like if you take into account the end um of the fucking thing because Okay, so there's there's also a thing where, um, okay, man, it's perfect that you said that because so the very fact that Sarah thinks that he, uh, Jeffrey is his name, no Joseph, I think. So the fact that she thinks that Joseph is like pretending that he's doing like a bit, that he's doing a character the whole time, makes it so that it's possible to get to the end because from almost the very beginning he says to her some shit like by the end of this like we'll both kill ourselves or something or like we're both gonna die at the end of this you know yeah because his plan was that this film was gonna be like the last his last like this explains everything about me and this is my last kill and this is the end right because he was giving up because killing no longer fulfilled him So he basically tells her early on that at the end of this, we're both going to be dead. And because she thinks you must be like me, everything we do is a bit that we do for followers and money and hits and likes and whatever. She yes ands that shit for the whole entire movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we're watching it being like, yo, he's not kidding. (laughs) No, he's going to murder you. You need to run away. But she's just like yes anding this being like, yeah, you're not going to scare me. You're not going to freak me out. I'm a videographer. I'll be here. Yeah. Like, I'll do it. She's kind of a cynical careerist. Yeah, exactly. People don't make art. Like, people don't. The art here being serial killing yeah yeah right but she's like no one just does things people do things to get followers and to be seen exactly the most genuine moment where he's like trying to follow and he's like no this is the end you're part of the end of my arc (laughs) like oh this is going to be a history book this is going to be important and he like uh so uh she yes ands it and it gets to the end the end and it's we're literally like in a forest or some shit and he's got like a shovel in his hand and she's still holding up her fucking stupid camera being like oh this is gonna be like a great end to my little fucking youtube episode or whatever and 
what we see as the third party is he kills her, basically, and then uh, dumps her body into, like, a grave that he dug. And then he turns to the camera Then now is, like, propped up on something. And he's, like, he turns to the camera and he makes his, like, final... He's making his final statement about his life and his career and his art of murdering people and whatever. And in the background, we see Sarah get up out of the fucking grave. And she picks up the shovel and she hits him and she murders him, right? And to me... Uh, I think this is like a huge uh, metaphor and like thing we got to talk about as artists, artists adjacent people or whatever, because uh, who, okay, it's almost like um, a metaphor of who gets killed and who needs to die in order for art to be made, right? Mm-hmm. And both of them are operating under the idea that somebody has to die for their art to be made. Even Sarah, because by pursuing this person that she just thinks is either doing a bit or is mentally ill, she is willing to sacrifice them, him, to her art. In the same way, um, I think this came up in the... In the new Twilight Zone, where they had the one episode that was about the stand-up comedian who, whenever he made fun of people that he were really in his life, in his act, they yeah. disappeared, you know? Uh, I think this is, like, a valid critique and concern that comedians and artists should be thinking about, about, like, uh, where is the line as to how real life contributes to what your art is and where does your art start to consume well, your real life? You know, that question came up really recently in a thing while we were on break that people have been, like, kind of screaming at me, like, why don't yeah. you talk about this on Why Are You Mad, which is the rehearsal. Have you seen that? No, tell me about it. Oh, man, you have to watch it. It's what is like that? It's, like, the most up our both alley thing ever. Um, Nathan Fielder's new thing. Ugh, you know Nathan Fielder? I hate that motherfucker. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, well, okay. Actually, that's fine, though. That works yeah. because he's um, really well-liked on Twitter. I fucking hate Twitter. Twitter has this weird thing where with pop culture yeah. stuff, you're either the worst person of all time or like some for sometimes for some reason it bothers me even more when everyone decides something's great and then totally. they're like not allowed to criticize it. So I agree. Fielder, and and honestly my my very quick synopsis would just be like he's a creative guy that is problematic and it just shouldn't be a one or like one side or the other. Period. You know, well, totally. Okay, so you can be uh, funny and it not be something that I would be proud to be a part of. Well, okay, so he takes exactly <laughs> yeah. that thing that yeah. you're identifying about him that probably makes you uncomfortable when you watch him, which yeah. is I'm the same way, and it pushes it to like level 900 with this Ugh. show because what it is is the first episode. The premise is oh, he. It's kind of like creep. He puts out an ad right for like um. A social experiment or like a TV show or so. I'm not sure what people think they're getting into when they get into it, but basically what he says is we're doing this thing where the idea is if you could um, say you have like a really stressful thing coming up, like a job interview or like a conversation you're having with somebody or a breakup or something, wouldn't it feel better to go into situations like this knowing that uh like knowing everything that could possibly happen. Well, so what we're going to do is we're hire a bunch of actors and we're going to rehearse this thing with you over and over and over and over and over again. That way, when you finally go and break up with the oh, person or do whatever, you 
you know, you have all of these like spreadsheets worked out. If they say this, I'll say this and all this stuff. And he's like going through his own anxiety of like, you know, social situations or whatever. So the first episode is this guy who um, he it's it's really funny. It's at Alligator Lounge is like over <laughs> in my neighborhood. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a guy who plays trivia there and he's just uh, he's gotten himself into like a little weird social corner situation, like painted himself into a corner, I guess is what I was trying to say, where he told one of his friends for he had a master's degree and for years she's been like trying to help him get a job going oh i found this thing on linkedin linkedin they're looking for somebody and that you have a master's and that's a requirement or whatever and he's like feeling really guilty that he lied to his <laughs> friend so he wants to have a conversation with her so what they do is they rebuild the entire alligator lounge and oh then like God. they run through this over and 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 so like it's happening it's the most on the spectrum comedian i've ever heard of that's, in my life that's why twitter loves them right yeah um so, but it is pretty funny is a thing like so because it's a trivia thing at one point, Nathan Fielder goes, well, you know what? I want him to do well at trivia so that he's relaxed when he has this <laughs> So, so do finds, they set it up? <laughs> he fi- no, he finds the answers to the trivia, but he, but he talks to you about it. <laughs> we can cheat. And the guy goes, I don't want to cheat. So what he does is he hires a bunch of actors now within the universe he's created. This is like Just to, to like not so, be good at trivia so he wins? You know, no, so oh, when, okay. when they're walking around that week, right? So one yeah. of the questions is like, um, who invented gunpowder, right? So like when they're walking around, they walk past a police officer or a, fi- a firefighter, and the firefighter says to them, oh, building burnt down. I curse the Chinese for inventing gunpowder. You know? <laughs> but the guy doesn't know that as an actor. That he's yeah. Hired, right? So he's bending reality in all these ways. Yeah. Then he goes and does it. That's he funny. wins trivia yeah. because he's like, had all the answers planted in him like secretly he's doing all this insane shit with yeah. like, directorial maneuvers and stuff right so that that's a fucking that's just the first episode and then from there it, it blows up meta meta style like it turns into all this other weird shit where he hires like a child to pretend to be his child because this woman's worried about like you know whether she can raise a child so like she goes, oh, all right let's let's hire children let's try it out and anyway when it happened um, it goes crazy. One of the kids like kind of gets attached to him. And he's like really kind of. Oh, I don't know if this is a moral like gray area. I don't feel kind of weird about it. It's it's insane, right? But the thing is, when it when this show came out, a Twitter people loved it because you know yeah they're all autistic. on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and he's one of the guys you're supposed to like on Twitter and stuff. But um, not me. Also- <laughs> not me. Go on. Well, so a few people that were involved in the show said that they felt like they had been exploited or you know i think they were using words like borderline this maybe is abuse or whatever manipulative manipulative was the word I yeah think. um and then everyone on twitter who fucking you're supposed to like nathan fielder and you're supposed to hate you know fucking whatever lib shit or whatever uh was like making fun of that and saying like oh nathan fielder manipulated me too into yada 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 and that was the big joke for, for the yeah. week or whatever but the thing is like i think those people had a point i think he's like a really good artist like he his, the show is incredible but it is not moral just because you like it it was yeah. insane that it was on tv it was like a fucking 70s like psychology experiment like where they have ethical dilemmas and shit absolutely and even uh, the one before that, Nathan, for you, um, very often involved. Uh, I hate to say this because I'm not in any way trying to cancel the person, but like 
I do want you to understand that, okay, so like a few weeks ago we talked about Tiffany Haddish and uh, that video she made, right? Yeah. And whatever, apparently there are more allegations against her and I don't know about them and so I'm not speaking about uh, full-on child sexual abuse or anything. But just the idea that you would involve a child in you wanting to make a funny skit about sexual abusers of children and not consider how that could affect the children you're involving and exposing to these things, right? Yeah. Brings into this, it brings into it the, the idea or the conversation of like intent versus result, right? Where your intent was to make something funny, but the result was that uh, you did impact psychologically a young person or a, let's say, a disabled person or a fucking worker or anybody that just was like in a losing situation for you to make fun, for you to make funny, let's call it. And Nathan, for you, was a show that very often put workers in a shitty situation for the sen- for like to be the butt of the joke i guess yeah. i would say and to me the reason i never liked the show was because it definitely like stank of someone the only people who could have an idea to do this would be people who never actually worked in service as hourly workers yeah it's like, you wouldn't do this if you actually were an hourly service worker Kind of like the jerky boys or something, where like yeah. prank calling is the thing. Like, yeah. at, at least I feel like stuff like that. Like back in the day, when you had a crank call comedy, it would not pretend to be moral or like yeah. or uh, devoid of morality or f- like um or free of it or not be doing. They would yeah. be like we're jerks. We're being we're jerks. Yeah, good, exactly. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But I feel like with like there's this weird thing with like that that thing just about child acting in general. Like I yeah. kind of think it just shouldn't be a thing, but like people movies got to get made or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think that if you get something made, if something has the veneer and like the stamp of approval of like it is on HBO or it just it got made yeah. and it and then also is good and well liked. There's this like this mental gymnastic move people do where they just go, well, then all of these things I'm imagining, like maybe this is possibly amoral, must just officially not be like that's impossible. How would they make a movie if it was immoral? You know, like you still it's like very consumeristic thinking that even people whatever left or right or where the fuck end of the spectrum you're on still are uh, all kind of. what do you call it? Like we all have it probably just cause we're all Americans and we live within this like hyper capitalistic realism thing that, that you might see broken. If you talk to somebody from like another country about this, you know, so yeah. we might go, what is this crazy show where this guy does all these horrible things? Yeah. But then again, it's like, uh, okay, but it's different though, because so there is, there's definitely like a cultural thing about shows. So, Japan, <laughs> like, how do I transition into this? So, like, for example, Japan has, like, a, a lot of game shows that are about, like, kind of like the floor is lava, <laughs> right? Where they, it's, like, about people, individuals uh, putting themselves through, like, crazy things, right? Oh, yeah. I yeah. have a good story about one of those. Yeah, but, I mean, like, that is a different culture, I guess, than... Because we also have, like, uh, what's the one that Sal's a part of? Uh, the, the fucking Staten Island dudes? Uh, 
that it's huge. It's like the biggest MTV show. They do pranks and oh, uh, impractical jokers. Impractical jokers. That's the one. They've got a cruise. The whole deal, you guys. And yeah. um, that the. There, I almost feel like uh, no South America also has mean comedy like this, but it just is so different when it is like sort of uh, I don't know class based. Like it's it's very strange because it's uh, people coming in and making honestly millions of dollars, a lot of money <laughs> off of ridiculing someone or a type of job or a business. For, like, a paltry amount of money that they pay them for appearing yeah. on this thing that then uh, gets reruns and all this stuff. It just is, I don't know. It's not entirely comfortable and ethical to me. I'm not saying it's, like, uh, let's go cancel everybody who does any kind of prank thing. Uh, but I don't know. I'm not into it. Yeah, I mean, I just think that, like, if you enjoy stuff like this, you should maybe ask yourself whether you are just, like, c- completely... You're actually like kind of uh, doing yourself a disservice by not pondering the nuances of it and just ex- telling yourself that it's a uh, completely, um, you know, the argument has ended about whether it's interesting or moral or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we should, uh, you know, we should be able to like that. Should be what we do with art. Like the people that were talking about Nathan for you or fucking Nathan Fielder being manipulative. Like yeah. they, that should have been the conversation. I mean, it was interesting that he got away with all that stuff, but I think they kind of were right. Um, there's there's a uh, it, it's interesting that there's also like this Squid Game element to a lot of the stuff where it's like, are you knowingly doing this or are you being manipulated in? The rehearsal, there's a guy who figures it out, and I'm pretty, or I'm pretty sure he figures it out because he leaves. Like he, he, they do a bunch of weird stuff with him, and he doesn't show back up to his rehearsal. And it's, I bet he's fucking figured out that he was getting pranked, which I don't understand. Happens all the time. Every other documentary is just making fun of the the subjects of it. So I don't understand how people sign up for this and they think that they're going to be the one where it's not like that. But um, you just reminded me of an interesting story about Japanese television I read a long time ago. Um, so a lot of their shows are, um, you know, yeah, you kind of torture a, a person, but like a lot of the time, but it's like they volunteer, right? Like it's well, like a that's, self-torture. No? That's they're comedians. The people that get, oh, tortured, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's weird. I read this story one time. About <laughs> that's Japanese. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I read this story one time about a Japanese comedian and he came over here and he did stand up in like the U S and he was like. Wait, you just tell jokes? They don't like throw a thing at you? Yeah. Like, what? What do you? It's like over there, it's, it, co- comedian just means something totally different. different. Yeah, and it's largely that the joke is that you will go and have all this horrible shit done, and to you'll you. do whatever. Yeah, you'll do whatever they offer you. So, ah, that's so messed up. Oh, there was this one, like the kind of like the biggest fuck. I think I don't know. I'm kind of talking about my ass. This, I I've heard this. You know, is like a legendary thing. Maybe it's just something I read one time or whatever, but. There was this guy, he was a comedian. His name was Eggplant in Japanese. I can't remember how to say it. No, no, something with an N with a B. I, I don't know. But he um, he did this thing in like the 90s, like way before like this kind of stuff even uh, turned into, you know, we talk about it every day. The show that they did with him was they locked him in an apartment and the only way he could communicate with or acquire things from the outside world 
was by going through tons and tons of magazines and then sending out those little mailer things that <laughs> used to fall out of magazines. You used to be able to get like free stuff out of them or yeah. like enter sweepstakes and stuff like that. And they were just like, do this as long as you can, you know, if you die or whatever, obviously like we'll come get you. And, but he like had <laughs> to get bury his, you. Yeah. <laughs> like they gave him like a minimal amount of food or something. No, they weren't going to bury him. I think he, he could like exit the game at some okay. point, but it would end the whole thing. So he lived in this fucking empty ass apartment for like months and sent out nothing but these magazine things. And he got food eventually and he got like a good supply of food and he got like, you know, some basic necessities and shit. And there's cameras everywhere. It's like Truman Show, you know, and uh, but he like never I think he got a sweater, but he never acquired a pair of pants like the whole <laughs> show. So he was, <laughs> he was just pantsless the like whole time. And then he would, you know, had this weird, massive stockpile of whatever canned good he won in a sweepstakes or whatever. And, like, uh, it was crazy. But um, I don't know. But there was that element to it where it was like, well, he signed up for it. And that seems to be the joke is, like, it's very squid gamey. It's like, everyone watch. We put someone in this Faustian situation and yeah. you know, will they walk away or will they continue to pursue the the big prize at the end if it's a game show or just simply the being on TV and fame itself? That's kind of wrapped up in there because they're you know because they're comedians and stuff. I don't know, but, th- but you know we we do have those obviously in America, and I would even add like reality TV is usually that kind of shit where it's people who are like they just want to be famous so they're like I'll be on Love Island and try to find love and or I'll be like on blind love is blind and marry some fucking rando and like, you know they get on all these things so the the whole like self-effacing put myself out there to make comedy or to be famous all this stuff exists also but this prank shit is different than that it's like the reverse of that because it is the people who are the butt of the joke are not aware that they're the butt of the joke and the people who are becoming rich off of the joke are doing the joke to people who are not as rich as them (laughs) you know like uh with the exception of things like you said, like the jerky boys, where they're like, no, this is like a in in group. We're being assholes to each other <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and you could even say that something like the Staten Island show, whatever the fuck it's called, is uh, them also being assholes to their in group. Right. Because they go to their like local delis or like local um, train stops or whatever. And they are all dudes from Staten Island. But maybe that was true in the first few years, but in the last five to ten years, I don't know how long the show has been going on. They are now rich and famous millionaires. And so now is it still you um, having uh, fun and laughing with your people or is it now you exploiting them? as rich people versus workers. You know what I mean? Because you're going into their fucking regular minimum wage job to annoy them <laughs> for the purpose of you making content. That's fucking crazy. Unless you're also paying them $1,000 for their day or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I, what I was saying about like crank call shows yeah. is that they it isn't just in group they do just harass people yeah. but they don't like pretend that they're not doing that I guess. Yeah. Because I think what is going on with Nathan That's Fielder true. is he that pretends he's making art. I don't even know if it's him. I just know that they're like. I'm gonna his. say it's him. <laughs> well, I think he is making art. I just think he's making kind of mean art. But like, p- 
people will deny that because they like it. And oh, like, I if see, you're a fan of Nathan Fielder, you should you should embrace him. You for should be what on- he is doing. Which well, is and you should be honest that you like mean art. Yeah, that's what, exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, I think you're right. You're totally right about that because actually, as you were talking, one of the things that I thought about is like, uh, you know, like I had an ex that thought um, people throwing up was like the funniest thing on earth, right? <laughs> so like, uh, fucking, uh, what's it called? The British thing? Sorry, I've already been smoking weed today. Um, fucking uh, Monty Python. <laughs> there we okay, go. Yeah. So Monty Python, you know, the dude with the waffle thins and it's like a big fat dude and he's just oh, like puking God, so over. Gross, yeah. So gross. This dude thought this is like the like literally can't like I might have to call 911 because he can't breathe because he's <laughs> he's laughing so hard. Okay. That's so funny. Yeah. And so literally anytime to this day I can send him a clip of any TV show or movie and somebody puking like ridiculously and he'll be like, oh my God, this is the funniest thing I've seen. There are people that are like that about farts about shit about jerking off (laughs) you know what i mean like just about the most basic dirty shit that is like um it's not intellectual in any way it's just a common experience across humanity that is gross and that is funny to you for some reason right oh sorry my microphone did something um and uh i think i have met a lot of people for whom those basic banal whatever things are the funniest thing that could happen in the world. And here's the thing, Jake, they don't think that they are good people because of it. They don't pretend that it's high art. Yeah. They don't <laughs> act like they are the most, they're just like, no, this shit is funny as fuck and I own it. <laughs> and I just wish that the Nathan fans would recognize that what you like about this is being mean to another person and like uh, getting away with a lie and uh, tricking another person. Like it's just, it's inherently mean comedy. You know what I mean? I agree a hundred percent. Also, I kind of think piss is the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> See, there's a bunch. There's a bunch <laughs> of people that are just like, "This is my thing, man." People burping, I lose my mind for five hours. <laughs> Whatever it could be, uh, and you just never know. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I agree 100%. I think that what's going on, because he's such, because of, like, his, the fans of him on Twitter that are kind of overlapping with left Twitter, I think they're doing carnival shit. They're doing, like, inside-out psychology stuff, mm. because they all claim to hate managers and PMC and all this stuff, yeah. and that they kind of worship this guy that is, like... Abusing that same position. Yeah, he's yeah. a boss. You yeah. Know, you don't, you don't always think about, uh celebrities as bosses but like that i really thought that i thought about that a lot last week when we were talking about james corden because like when who's being presented on stage on these like late night shows is the 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 fan charming version yeah yeah Yeah, the myth is that it's this comedian that's worked their way up and all this stuff and and that everything you're seeing magically came to be right but if you yeah yeah but if you know people who work for them you're like that is the boss of that mm-hmm. office and they are often tyrants yeah. and like they push people around and stuff and like the they are also the product which is weird like they have a team yeah. of people and then they like make everyone do stuff and then it's all to like push their veneer and uh, that kind of sucks like i just don't kind of don't like it and i think that what's going on with with these fans of fucking nathan fielder is that they're like you know that's that's their th- th- their brain like um, you know, because they, they've read all this stuff and are forcing their brain to kind of be anti-manager and all this stuff all day, that's them having, like, this weird 
like fetishy experience yeah where they're like swinging back the other way but they don't even know they're doing it because like but that shit is so gross fucking freudian and subliminal and shit they're Dude, like it's in denial medieval it's like straight up like a Foucauldian fucking like uh why why peasants used to enjoy watching somebody be hung or exactly. be in the stockades you know and have tomatoes thrown at them and whatever is because the pressure of constantly being the right person in the right way and behaving correctly so that you're never exposed to those punishments was then released whenever you got to join in on punishing another for failing to do what you did. And to me, that's kind of what happens with these like prank shows and fool each other, fool other people shows like Nathan's. You know, it's like a bunch of people who think they're so nice and so liberal and so progressive being like, yeah. I do hate my barista and wish that I could do this to her. <laughs> you know, like, and it's just like, ugh, I don't know, dude. This is kind of like, yeah, you know, enjoy it if you enjoy it, but don't think that it makes you a better person. Like, there's plenty of jokes that I know are really, really bad and I think are funny and it doesn't make me a better person, but I still think they're funny. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's like also this kind of overlaps with like, you know, the troll shit that happens on the internet yeah. harassing people on twitter and stuff like that there's a lot of people who uh rationalize it and excuse it as like well you know um if oh well that it's the person's fault or whatever and it's like just just admit that you like doing something really fucked up and yeah. wrong and you're not a good person and you know that's you're all right whatever you can deal with that later but that's why you're doing that you know it's not because it's like good like for admitting it is the first step people admitting it is the first step uh you don't have to uh change and be perfect but you do have to i guess acknowledge where your most basic desires come from and satisfactions come from i guess i don't know uh not to get too freudian on people (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I'm glad that you liked Creep 1 and 2. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to say about it, even though I'm circling back to the beginning? Oh, I was just thinking, like, how does this all tie back? Because, like, I guess... Uh, no, I, th- I really liked them. I thought they were very funny. I th- uh, and ter- Genuinely scary and, like... Yeah. I've said this a million times, but, like, comedy and horror are very similar forms. Yeah. Which is why you have so many, like, Jordan Peels walking around now. Uh, yep. That new movie, that that new movie, Barbarian, was written by one of the so whitest good. kids you know. Oh my uh, god, I didn't know that. Right, that's why you're seeing this all over the place now. If you pay yeah. attention, people that learned all the skills from like writing comedy, comedy. It's, it transfers to fuck to horror, absolutely one to one because it's all about heightening and stuff like that. Well, it's and, about eliciting uh, um, uh, emotions, um, like illogical emotions, right? Just uh, feeling, reacting. Yeah, yeah. Evoking a feeling, just yeah. a different feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought I really liked that about those movies. I, the, he was genuinely unnerving and stuff, and it was really cool. And um, that I guess they're kind of fun because the ending of the second one that we were discussing is like, it's like a, it's, it's less mean than like a Nathan Fielder thing. It's just just taking this concept and going what if two people did it at each other until they just sort of like bumped heads and (laughs) exactly yeah like who would win yeah yeah uh dude do you know who robert ben garant is no 
Robert, I have a virus, so I had to go through several search engines right now to get to the thing. But Robert Ben Garant, um, he was in Reno 911. Okay. Oh. This is where we probably know him from. He's the guy with the mustache and the glasses all the time. Right? And uh, uh hold on, what was his They name? all kind of look like that. <laughs> no, because uh so he's like the one with the biggest mustache, <laughs> I guess. Uh his name in Reno nine one one, uh fuck, what was his um Deputy something. Let's see. Well anyway, he oh. I know who you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. The little little one. Yeah, Yeah. with the dark hair. He's Canadian, probably, I would bet. Uh, But this motherfucker, do you know that what he does now is write horror movies? No. Oh, my God, Jake. Hold on. Let me find a list so that I can tell you that a lot of our recent most favorite horror movies were written by Robert Ben Garant of Reno 911. (laughs) It's insane. Okay. Uh, Hold on. Let's see. Horror movies. I'm like your mom now. I'm being like written by. I'm going to Google with you on the phone. (laughs) I'm doing the same thing. Oh, good. Yeah, no, it's insane because I had to, when I saw horror movies at the end be like written by Robert Ben Grant, I was like, wait a minute. What? And I had to Google it. And it was absolutely the same fucking dude who was like a dude born in Tennessee, comedic actor, and. All he's ever so he wrote Hell Baby. It was Junior is his Hold character. Hold on. Junior was his character. He wrote Hell Baby, he wrote Jezebel, which is good. Uh he is one of the writers on Scanners, I think. Uh hold the, on. The the Cronenberg film? I think so. Hold on. Now why am I getting images? Oh my goodness gracious. That came out in the eighties. He's old as shit. Oh, well, no. He would have been a teenager then, so that's crazy. Old. Old as shit, I meant older than me. (laughs) 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 Let's see, let's see. Uh, Hold on, hold on. TV and film written by... What do you guys got to do? You got nothing to do. You can make really good stuff. With a virus... Okay, let's see. He was a writer on... Oh, he wrote um, Night at the Museum. Night at the Museum 2. The Pacifier. Herbie Fully Loaded. Balls of Fury. Wait, those, none of these are horror. These are all Yeah, those are all comedy. Reno 911. Here we go. Okay, here we go. The Veil. Have you seen The Veil? I love it. No. It's fucking awesome. It's um, Bloomberg. Uh, not Bloomberg. Bloomhouse. And it's... Uh, Oh my God, Jake! We gotta we gotta do an episode about it. So it's uh, Jessica Biel stars in stars in it as a documentarian who is writing a doc, or doing a documentary about like a, think like a Jonestown type of disaster where there was like a cult where almost everybody died except this one girl, and the one girl that survives. It's like twenty five years later, and the documentary group is interviewing her, and they bring her back to the island, and then like everything is terrible and things go really badly <laughs> because okay. it's a horror movie written by not reno 911 dude uh yeah dude exactly uh anyway i don't know i'm not gonna keep googling for you guys but i'm telling you there's a bunch of fucking movies that are horror movies written by the guy from reno 911 so it is really crazy because actually one of the things that i always have tried to tell regular people is like 
Even if you think you don't know stand-up comedians, they're in all of your commercials. They write all of your TV shows. <laughs> like, I'm like, literally, they do everything. And then now, in the last year, I've been like, holy shit, they write all the horror movies, too. <laughs> yeah, crazy, right? Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Uh, but the other side of that is that it actually kind of makes me sad to think that there's, like, a lot of people who start doing stand-up just because it seems like a, a skill set or a bridge to doing other things but they were never really interested in doing stand-up uh, oh yeah or the other reverse of that which is yeah. also sad is that they wanted to do stand-up but there's no but they found another comedy, way yeah. so you have to make horror and stuff like that exactly exactly so it's like oh i'm simultaneously so happy and proud that comedians do so much but also so sad that you have to do so much <laughs> because comedy doesn't pay no it really doesn't yeah. I mean, unless you'd make the worst comedy of all time. And exactly, then unless you pander. A, unless you pander like a motherfucker. Happy Halloween! Treat, trick or treat, I guess. Trick. It was a trick. <laughs> <laughs> what, the comedy was a trick? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? I yeah. think so. At least under capitalism. It used to be a lot better when you guys got to yell at kings, I guess. Yeah, it definitely is not a treat. I would not <laughs> open a show with "I've got a treat for you." I guess people do say that, but it's uh, it's just not. I don't know. I, a friend of mine was at a coffee shop the other day, and they texted me because they were like, um, they just knew I would find this funny. They're like, not a comedy person. They were like, yeah. I came here to like read a book, and then a comedy show just started, and then Ouch. started texting <laughs> me all of the horrible, you know, jokes. jokes. Oh no! And then like telling me about the people getting mad at the audience and stuff yeah. like that. And I was just like, what is this scourge on society that exists now where at any given moment this art form could break out in its worst form, you know? Aggressive stand-up, uh, ambush stand-up. Yeah, no, it's not at its best. But that's um, happening because there's, like, not... Uh, you can't... There's just not enough... Under capitalism, there are not enough jobs for everyone who wants to be a comedian. There's not yeah. enough places to put all this stuff, and it Absolutely. sucks. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is our favorite holiday, as we said. <laughs> we uh, get to be dark, and nobody thinks anything of it because you're all enjoying being dark the one time of year. So happy Halloween. Um, I feel like. Our gift to ourselves should be to not make this episode too long. We're well, almost at an hour. That's it. Happy that's Halloween. beautiful. This Happy Halloween, episode. motherfuckers. Uh, watch Creep 1 and Creep 2 if you haven't. Tell us about scary movies you haven't seen, you've seen and you want us to see. Also, Barbarian is good. Highly recommend. Uh, that's about it. Jake, do you want to plug anything? I don't. Um... Yeah, I don't know. My other podcasts that you know about, Pod Damn America. And, uh, Just follow us on Twitter. You know the stuff. Yeah, show, I'm coming back to comedy soon. Show, shows soon. I've got stuff in the works, but I don't have anything. I love it. I'll be there. I'll be there in the front row taking pictures of Jake like a mom. Okay. Bye. Bye.